Hi, I'm Margie Krakowski with Wright Harima Architects. I'm the program's chair, along with Tony Smaniato from Studley and Megan Marshall with Jones Lang LaSalle. We have a lot of exciting programs coming up in 2012. We do not have a luncheon in December, but we do have an evening program called the Cornet Storytellers Series in Search of Franklin. This will be an intimate gathering with uh, Ron Carlson of Partners by Design at the Chicago Yacht Club. Look for the invitation in your email. Uh, we will be back in January for our regularly scheduled luncheon uh, with uh, the economic forecast. And we're trying something different uh, where we're going to have a live video cast streaming to Oak Brook. And so we'll ha hopefully have some of our suburban members and prospective members in Oak Brook that can enjoy the program as well. Uh, today's program is being podcast, and all of the uh, extensive library of programs are posted on the Cornet website. And if you have your MCR, you can receive continuing education credits for every luncheon that you attend. Just make sure you register with Beth and Chris at the uh, registration table. So today's program, we are altering again from our usual format and condensing the initial part so that you have time to walk around in the back of the room and experience hands-on demonstrations of the mobile devices and tablets around the room. We are eliminating the Q&A portion so you have more time, but we are doing an electronic feedback survey and dessert will be served at the registration tables. Uh, speakers, please come to the stage. So today we have a technology petting zoo, tools for mobility. Our speakers today will be sharing their perspectives on personal productivity and emerging technology in the workplace. Andy Swindler is an entrepreneur passionate about using communication technology to expand our understanding of one another and our bottom lines. In 2003, Andy founded Chicago-based Aztec, an interactive digital agency that delivers a comprehensive set of integrated web and mobile products and services for publishing and real estate clients. He speaks regularly about communication technology, including social media and mobility. Sarah Rail, senior consultant with Deloitte Consulting, is in the real estate and location strategy practice. She advises Fortune 500 companies on their facility and location strategy decisions. Specialties include location screening assessments, labor market analysis, site facility inspections, operating costs, conditions analysis, incentives negotiations, economic impact assessments, and economic development strategy. She is an expert in the use and application of Deloitte's location strategy tool set. Matt Manzella, Director of Strategy and Innovation at Allstate Insurance Company, he leads the Technology Innovation Group, which is responsible for engaging employees to develop innovative solutions to big problems by leveraging game mechanics, crowdsourcing, and rapid prototyping and testing of concepts. Take it away, Andy. Oh. Thank you, Margie, and thanks everybody for coming today. So, as Margie said, we're going to do. I'm going to do a. a brief presentation and just talk a bit about um, technology. I'm going to try to cover about 5,000 years of communication technology in 10 minutes. So here we go. Um, and then after that, we're going to have a bit of a discussion uh, with, with Sarah and Matt. So going back all the way to 3500-ish uh, BC, 
we, we saw writing uh, emerge. This is the first form of uh, written technology, communication technology, information technology, whatever you want to say it. Skip way ahead uh, to the printing press. Gutenberg <coughs> invents the printing press around 1440, puts a lot of monks out of work, but uh, facilitates uh, really the beginning of the information era that we know now. Skip ahead to the early part of the 20th century, consumer telephone, consumer radio, broadcast television. These are all uh, the early technologies that helped cultivate what we're now enjoying in this era. And now we're going to talk uh, quite a bit more in depth about why we're here today. And everybody in this room and all the tables, uh, you know, is all in here somewhere, whether it's internet-based uh, or, or at the conjunction of mobile and social technology. And there's a, just a big convergence happening with devices and, and everything else. And how does this impact our lives? How does this impact our work? So uh, here's just, to, again, to frame this, uh, uh, the escalation of internet usage uh, in terms of uh, internet users per 100 habitants, you know, between 96 and, and 2007. Just ex exponential growth. That's really the, the beginning of, of when uh, we started using these technologies. Looking ahead, this is a forecast from Cisco. This is measuring actual uh, data traffic, mobile data traffic specifically, uh, between 2010, projecting out to 2015. Between 2009 and 2010, it increased by 260%, just the pure mobile data traffic. They're projecting 2,600% increase by 2015. So we are entering into a mobile era where everything is going mobile, and, and it's truly exponential growth in how we're going to get there. So I'm going to cruise through this timeline. You remember good old America Online. They're still around, but really, you know, uh, things like that, Prodigy, CompuServe, that's what really got the internet kicked off in the early 90s. You know, uh, then we skip ahead to Wikipedia, which is really a good example of uh, crowdsourcing, which Matt is going to talk quite a bit more about uh, how he's using crowdsourcing. But a very quick definition that's essentially just using uh, some form of technology to allow many people to contribute ideas to one piece of information or repository for information. Wikipedia just happens to be the most popular uh, and common example. So um, right around 2003, uh, you, might, you may remember this guy. This is the first BlackBerry, black and white. Uh, that really launched the era of mobile email. And, and I'm sure many people in the room had one of these or, or something like it shortly thereafter. That's going to be really interesting later when I talk about the current mobile market share, because in 2003, and, and for the next few years, BlackBerry really would own the corporate uh, uh, mobile experience, mostly around email. Web browsing was, was somewhat there. 2005, uh, YouTube launches and mobile video um, would come later, but video in general is largely attributed on the, uh, to YouTube on the internet. And it is not only the second largest search engine behind Google, but it accounts for more than 10% of all internet traffic. So you, it's just phenomenal to think about the amount of uh, information there. Around the same time, in 2005, uh, LinkedIn really became prevalent. And that, you know, part of its just early insertion into the professional uh, community is why it is now the uh, standard uh, de facto professional networking site. So uh, this is an example of uh, Cisco Smart and Connected Communities Group, which I would advise you to check out. Cisco is doing some really cool stuff trying to tie together people and business and technology. So then we skip to 2007. This was a real banner year uh, for mobile technology. The iPhone 
comes around. Uh, and the Kindle, shortly on the heels of the iPhone. And Twitter uh, evolves around the same time. And, and at that time, you may or may not have heard of these various things, but that's when they, that's when they got their start. And by the way, twitter.com slash Chicago. Highly advise you going there and following uh, the local chapter. Got lots of good things to say. Uh, Facebook, you, I'm sure you all saw the movie. Facebook started uh, earlier than 2007, but it was in 2007 that they opened it to the public and they launched their app platform. And that, to me, is what really catalyzed the extraordinary uh, exponential growth of Facebook in the last few years, approaching a billion users. So then a couple years later, we uh, have our first Android device. And so Google gets on the bandwagon and, and says, hey, we can do that too. And at, at this point, which you'll see in a minute, they have been extraordinarily successful launching this Android uh, platform and giving Apple a run for the money, which I think is a good thing. Competition has driven Apple to really innovate some things. Foursquare, you may or may not have heard of this. Uh, this is getting into an area called uh, geo-marketing or um, check-in, geo, you know, geography check-in technology. So basically with this, you may have seen it on, on Facebook or you know, Google or Yelp or a lot of people are doing it now. Foursquare really innovated this. The idea is that you have an app and you, you go into a place and you check in, you can get specials, you can get all sorts of things. We're doing a lot of really fun marketing with Foursquare and, and that user uh, group, which has, early, as of earlier this year, more than 10 million users on Foursquare. So it's, it's uh, nothing to shake a stick at. So I want to talk a little bit about the skipping forward. We're finally in 2011 now. This is the mobile app uh, markets that we have. And there are other ones, but between these two, they constitute more than 70% of the mobile market share right now. So I'm just going to focus on these because it's really interesting to look at the different ecosystems. You know, Apple has always uh, focused on having one very consistent ecosystem where they control the hardware and the technology. It's very streamlined. They also control the store. They have the, the first uh, major app store, arguably the highest quality app store. Um, and then, but Google, uh, very different. <laughs> we we kind of think of Google as the wild, wild west in mobile app development. And the Android OS, uh, the last time I checked, there were more than 249 different Android devices out there, and there are multiple stores, which causes a lot of uh, interesting complications or, or challenges for developers. Um, but like I said, really good competition for Apple, and, and the innovation watching these two companies kind of go at it and develop in the mobile space in an extraordinarily short amount of time has really changed things. and, and is, is now facilitating the, uh, the future of our mobile work experience. I'm gonna kind of just go a little bit back through time now looking at the market share. I think this is fascinating. So the, this is the, the market share as of July 2011. And you, you see this in the context of uh, smartphones having about 40% of the overall mobile market. By now, uh, or by the end of this year, it's gonna be closer to 50%. Uh, and that's gonna be the, the turnover there. Um, over on the right, I've got a chart showing you that black, by now, BlackBerry is down to 19%. It's actually even lower by now. Uh, but at the time of this in July, Android hit 40%, and Apple has been holding steady around 28% for, for quite a while. But if we go back to February, you can see even in that time, you know, BlackBerry had lost 4% in that relatively short amount of time, Apple remaining steady, uh, and Android at 38%. But what's really stunning is if we go back another year, quarter one, 2010, 
this is what it looked like. BlackBerry had 35% of the mobile market. Microsoft uh, had about 20%. And again, Apple remaining very steady at around 28%. But what you notice here is Android with 9%. So in less than two years, Android has totally uh, taken over the mobile space. Lots of reasons for that. Uh, lots of people developing it. It's an open platform. Um, part of that, why there are these very fast, very rapid tectonic shifts in the mobile space is because we don't keep our phones very long. Uh, you know, contracts are on average about two years. So you're going to cycle out, get a, a, a different phone, maybe within two years. The reason Apple stays steady is that they have the, the greatest um, retention rate, user loyalty, of, of any of these platforms. So just going to keep going through a few of these. Um, just kind of throw some different technologies out there. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. Uh, QR codes, uh, they're on every one of your tables. On the little blue sheet, there's a, there's a QR code you can zap with your phone. There's lots of free apps. They're available on every platform. Uh, basically, you can think of these as um, buttons <laughs> on everything. So you, you, you know, put your camera phone in front of it, it'll, it'll grab the code, and then you can, it'll take you wherever it takes you. So it's a, a URL or website. Uh, you know, gives you a deal. Um, you know, you know, you're starting to see these on, on, um, uh, you know, on, in the real estate world. On, you know, get more information. You know, no, gone are the days of, of having a bunch of brochures sort of stacked up at a, at a, at a unit or something like that. Scan a QR code, take it with you. Um, and this I saw on a, on a toy store just the other day in Elmhurst. So this is, you know, this is a real example. Uh, near field communication. Whether you've heard of this. Already uh, or not, you're going to hear about it. It's coming. Uh, Google Wallet is way ahead in this space. Basically, near field uh, is is like wireless a wireless wallet. Uh, you know, we're 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 entering an age where your phone is going to replace your wallet and your <coughs> your keys and just about everything else you carry around with you on a regular basis. So, this I literally I took a, this picture at Macy's uh, within the last week. So. Uh, you know, Macy's has their own technology where you can just wirelessly kind of wave it. But in the background there, you actually see uh, the, the Google Wallet. There's only really like a couple of devices that are using this right now. For the next year or two, you're going to see near-field communication integrated in everything, in, in all new devices, and all over, all over the place. It's, it's a whole new mobile um, uh, uh, economy. Uh, Another one, I'm not going to get deep into this, but, but HTML5, another buzzword you probably hear thrown around, it is really going to give the whole app market a run for its money. It's a way of creating cross-platform uh, technology, mobile technology that is very, very capable uh, of doing lots of different things, but doesn't require you to build a separate app for each platform or device. Uh, CoStar, I wanted to, to point out CoStar Go. They launched this uh, a few months ago, um, and, they're, and they're here, so I really suggest you check it out. Uh, this, I think, is really revolutionary to the broker market in, in just, again, mobilizing information and putting it at your fingertips and, I don't know, just kind of getting, getting rid of paper, getting rid of the idea of calling back to the office or going back to the office. You've just got it all right with you at all times. Uh, I want to speak briefly about tablets. So... This is a, a chart showing, uh, again, just Apple versus Android or Google in the tablet market. Uh, Apple, while they you know, don't have the mobile market share for phones locked up anymore, they, Gardner predicts that they have the tablet market locked up until 2015. And part of that, there's a few reasons for that, um, but part of that is actually it, it's harder to make an Android 
um, tablet application because they, of the way they uh, have licensed their Honeycomb OS. I think it's actually going to lead to higher quality Android experience. Um, but just, just to kind of throw it out there, uh, I, you know, Apple is really going to own the tablet market for, for quite some time. Uh, and speaking of Apple, you may or may not have heard of this. Uh, this is one of many examples of cloud technology. Uh, this is primarily focused at, at consumers. There are, uh, I think, I, I tend to think of the cloud in two different ways. Uh, technologically, I, I won't really get into because it, it uh, can mean a lot of different things. Philosophically, the cloud basically means there's, there's some server in the sky taking care of all your information and, and just seamlessly sharing it with all of your devices so you don't have to think about it anymore. Um, I think Apple has made some major advancements here, again, on the consumer front. And, and we're going to see this rapidly evolving. And uh, Matt's going to talk about a, a bit about that and um, some of the things he's doing as well. So that wraps it up for you know, 5,000 years of technology. <laughs> now I want to join our, my other panelists here. And um, I think we'll, we'll kick this off just maybe you know, 60 seconds each, just kind of talking about what you're up to at, uh, at Deloitte and Allstate. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. Sure, sounds good. So um, good afternoon, everyone. I think we're in the afternoon hour. Um, as, as it's been said, I work for Deloitte Consulting. I do location strategy consulting. And so a lot of interface with CoStar and uh, all of your names and companies have come across uh, my desktop at some point as we work with you in various shapes or forms. And focusing on kind of how technology has integrated in, into our company, being as that we're one of the largest global shared services providers, there's a lot of security involved in how we've progressed uh, and incorporated technology into our firm. Back, I would say, five years ago, it was only the BlackBerry, only one form of the BlackBerry, and only the top most people in the firm had access to it, because it was all about security. And as you remember BlackBerry's platform, it was security. And as we've progressed and more mobile apps have rolled out, more mobile technology devices have rolled in, uh, and everybody's beginning demanding it and ask for it. And also, as we've transitioned from more of a working in the office to being the road warriors, as now is the term that many like to use, the desire is to be more mobile and be able to do your job from wherever you need to, whether it be at your desk, at your home, across the globe. And as a result of that, our firm was forced to take a really hard look at what types of devices are available to not only the top leadership, but every single practitioner in the firm, and what can we do to make them more efficient. As a result, they have now integrated to, over the past five years, pretty much every form um, of mobile device that you could think of. I went online to see how many different types of phones I could get if I really wanted one. I think I got 20, 20 to 25 if I could, for, of different mobile devices. And thinking about the different platforms, they're on all the different platforms. So I could get a phone on any platform that I wanted. And I thought that was very interesting. And then in, in preparation for this, I realized that we also have applications that our firm is pushing out around time and expense, around reserving conference rooms, around um, connecting with each other that are able to be downloaded onto our mobile application devices. So the sheer integration that our firm has been able to uh, take in the last five years has been pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, in terms of what I personally do, in terms of location strategy consulting, it's been a little bit different because we're still latched to the desktop in some cases. Because outside of CoStar, a lot of the databases that we work with are centralized on this one system. We only have one sign-in. 
And so we're still kind of latched to the desk. And so I have a dream that if I were to go out, and maybe someone's going to take this idea and use it, but I have a dream that someone, I can take an iPad, go into the field, and not look at, instead of looking at a building, I'm looking at a greenfield site, and I can manipulate it, or I can see where the water line comes in. Where's the electricity infrastructure? What are the roads coming to this site? And if we can get to that next step, someone take this idea and run with it. Um, that would be amazing. So that's kind of where, where we stand as um, a firm and also as a practice in terms of technology integration. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, so I lead a group called uh, Technology Innovation at Allstate. And no, that's not an oxymoron. We do have innovation at Allstate. Um, <laughs> I am all about uh, engaging employees in solving our biggest problems, right? So historically, we would wait for great ideas to come down from the executive suite, and we would implement them. And really, everybody has great ideas. And the concept of crowdsourcing, as Andy mentioned, is we don't know where those great ideas will come from. The crowd is smarter than the individual. And so we use some tools and techniques, and I'll talk about them, to tap into uh, the employee base to solve our biggest problems. Uh, and, and the second thing that I do is I have the ability to implement some of those solutions on a, on a fairly lightweight, small scale. So we do a lot of proof of concepts of testing solutions very quickly, affordably, uh, cheaply, you know, and with, with uh, a very small team. Um, and then I can also talk about uh, we're, we're making a move at Allstate to thin client computing. So we're getting away from desktops and laptops, and we're moving everything into the cloud, so applications into the cloud. Well, that's, that's interesting. So let's, let's stick with you, Matt, on the crowdsourcing. Uh, you know, what exactly, uh, you know, the two parts. So, so what is the, the goal of, of doing that? And then what are some of the techniques specifically that you are using to actually collect those ideas? So there's two goals. One is to engage employees, right, to get people to feel good about uh, the place they work and the fact that we've asked them to help solve our problems, right? And it's, and it's outside their daily work. It can be uh, anything. So the other goal is literally to solve our biggest problems. So what we do is we partner with a business partner. It may be marketing or sales or claims. And everybody's got problems, right? And so we help them identify a very specific problem statement. Um, and I'll give a, a, a specific example. Three years ago, when everybody was making mobile apps, we said, hey, let's, what, what kind of functions and features should we include in our first mobile app? We open it up to many thousands of people. And it's, it's, it's a tool from a company called uh, Spigot. It's a website. And I, as the user, can go out there and add an idea. I can vote on ideas, thumbs up, thumbs down. I can comment on ideas, rate ideas. And so the better ideas naturally bubble to the top. So there is no smart group of people figuring out who the winner is, right? The community decides. Um, and uh, we get some fantastic ideas. And, and I'll give you a perfect example of when this works. Um, for that mobile solution, we, we had a couple hundred ideas that came out of it. 19 of which went to our roadmap that eventually made it to our, our mobile application, one of which came from a trial attorney in our Buffalo, New York office. Now, I guarantee you that guy's boss never said, hey, you got any mobile ideas? Right? But he got to participate in this and, and, and gave us a great idea. That's interesting. So and I, I, when we spoke before, uh, you said some of this was done for budgetary reasons as well. So, Help. Well, it, it's an easier way to, to get that many ideas. You know, traditionally, how might that, uh, you know, what, what might right, you right, have right. to it's, do to get that many ideas? So it's a, it's a quick way to get to, to solution, right? The, I'm, I'm not going to lie, the software does cost money, right? So that, but, um, and so I wouldn't say we primarily did it for budgetary reasons, although, of course, you know, a lot of the ideas are focused on uh, saving money, saving time, new products, new services, uh, process improvements, whatever it may be. 
Um, the, so we have two methods. So that is the, the crowdsourcing method, ask the many, build the ideas. We also have a competitive method we call an app attack. And that is a very short term, 48 hour event um, that people can compete and build a very lightweight prototype. They then get in front of a panel of, of judges, senior executives, the last time we had our CEO was on the panel, uh, and they present a solution in, in a very short period of time. And so I think those two solutions are kind of yin and yang of ideation, right? So one is very open and collaborative and transparent and, and everybody works together and the other one is very hidden and closed and competitive. And I think it hits those two, two groups of people. Some people like that co collaborative nature. Some people want to be competitive. They want to win. They want to showcase their talents. And so we get great solutions out of both events. Fascinating. Um, so Sarah, I loved your idea about the, the app. <laughs> I think that, you know, similarly, that's where the ideas come from. And that's how they get implemented. So you're you're heavily involved with site selection. Yeah, that's right. Very much so. so so I guess uh, you know what is what is the process now, and how uh, how are you using technology now, and, and how could you see that continuing to evolve to become even more efficient? Absolutely. So back in the day, it was highly automated. We would send a, a request for information to a community, and it would be it would be three pages long, but it would come back in huge binders of information. And we would have boxes and boxes of information that would have to come in and we would have to troll through. And we've, throughout the years, have progressed to integrate technology where now we have an online RFI. And so all the information comes in electronically, all the photos, all of the data, and so that we can very easily upload all of this information and even transition it into PowerPoint and site profiles. And so we're always looking for the next means the next wave of generations to incorporate technology to make us go faster so that we can spend less time doing the manual, looking through all the data, and making the PowerPoint decks, and more time actually analyzing and adding value to our clients. And did you find that that, that transition was or, or is uh, challenging? In, in other words, um, I don't know, do people adopt these new tools rather, rather quickly and eagerly? Yes, because it makes everybody's life easier. Because I have to sit down and like, manually fill out a piece of paper versus being able to type it in. And if you have similar sites with similar, some of the questions are the same, um, then it allows you to kind of duplicate a lot of the same answers where appropriate. So it, it, tend to make, it tends to make everybody's life easier. So sometimes adoption is, is challenging because change is, we're sort of wired to resist change, I think. But, but the value proposition here was very clear to everybody. Uh, on the team. Very much so. Okay. Yeah, people actually like to work with us a little bit more since we don't have to make them fill out 20 page questionnaires by hand. Sounds good to me too. Um, uh, so Matt, I, I know that uh, one of the other things your, your group is, is um, in transition, I think, is, is moving towards thin client technology. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So we are moving away from having desktops and laptops uh, and local machines. So we have currently 40,000 machines that the technology uh, department is, is maintaining. Um, and so what we're doing is moving all those applications to a cloud. It's an internal cloud, which means we still host it at our, our data center, but all your applications run in the cloud. So for, for me, what that means is I can run off of an iPad, I can run off of an iPhone, I can run off of a desktop, I can go home. Um, and, and for me personally, I use sort of my desktop as my to-do list, right? I've got 15 million uh, windows open and, and I close them as I get things done. Well, when I leave work and I leave my PC sitting on my desk and I go and I log in at home on my home PC, those, those uh, folders open right back up and I'm right back in my same session. So for me, it's much, much more convenient. For the IT department, it's much more convenient because they only have to uh, maintain the centralized applications rather than 40,000 discrete uh, PCs. 
Um, so it's very cost effective. Uh, the, only, the only challenge is it doesn't necessarily work for those people who um, are disconnected. So I can't go on a plane and work. I don't have access to any of my applications. Now what I tend to do is travel around with a little MiFi unit, which allows me to hop on any uh, network, cell network, anywhere I am, not on the plane. Um, and we understand that, that, that there are those people who travel and, and who uh, are disconnected from time to time, and they're not candidates for um, the thin client. So you're, you're happy just in your usage of the, the performance and everything, it, it still feels you know, responsive and, and get your work Absolutely done? Absolutely the same. The only thing that we have challenges with is high def video, right? So we're all, we're all going off of um, uh, you know, certain bandwidth and we're all in the same you know, rough bandwidth. Um, and so if we all try to watch a video at once, it's a little choppy like we had that challenge there. Um, but what's nice is also I can use my own technology. So I come with um, my uh, MacBook Air to work and I can hop on it. Uh, and use that. I could, I could uh, bring my iPad to work. And what we've done is we've given quite a few of our executives iPads, and you see them walking around and walking into meetings and taking notes on their iPads now. Some, but, but not all, right? There's still competition still to and, get and, to, and, and to get iPads. it's a transition, <laughs> right? It's, it's the challenge is not all the applications have been moved into the cloud. So for certain specific individuals, they can't run in the cloud yet until we move those applications. So how, how long would you say this, this transition, just approximately, is going to take for, for all state? A couple years, probably. Two years? OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. Absolutely. So you're talking a lot about Apple and Mac products. And the office has been more PC-based. Mm -hmm. How have you seen the transition from PC to more Apple and other type products? And have you found it difficult with some of the software and how are you no, so, adjusting so it to doesn't, that? It, the device doesn't matter now with, with, um, with thin comp computing because my applications are what matters and they're all in the cloud. I, I, I could bring in anything uh, and use it. So I think you're just seeing a preference for people to use Apple products because they're fun and easy to use, um, but really what, it's whatever you're comfortable with. We actually, um, and, and I've read about a number of companies going to a stipend model. We'll give you $1,000 and you buy your own hardware and, and use it. And we had some, some legal challenges with that. So that's my, that's my hardware now. That's my data versus your data. You know? And so we, didn't, we, did, we chose not to do that. But um, I have the choice of bringing in my own uh, device. It's just not, they don't, they don't give me a stipend for it. And in that model, uh, is, is the IT team still responsible for maintaining that device well, so and keeping it up So and they're running. not responsible for the hardware, they're responsible for the applications in the cloud. Mm -hmm. So those applications in the cloud better work, but my hardware is my, my hardware responsibility. Now, every person has a terminal at their desk, a thin client that they, in theory, can use. Some people choose to use other products. Interesting. So I, I think this one's uh, for both of you, actually. Curious about how uh, the, the shift to technology has been driven by compliance issues, and in some ways maybe even hindered by compliance issues. I would say the transition to technology is driven by the practitioners demanding that we have access to it. And then the compliance issues dictate the pace at which um, we're enabled to um, use it and accomplish it. So um, I think now, back in the day when technology was evolving and you were still trying to figure out the inner workings of the iPhone versus the BlackBerry, that there's definitely that hurdle of figuring out how that would interface with all of our, our firm knowledge and firmware. And now that we're over that, I think it's a lot easier to take, take new 
devices and figure out where the pros and cons are, what needs to be adjusted so that it can very quickly be put into circulation. And I know you're in the midst of the transition. Uh, so how long has it taken? How long do you expect uh, until you, until that, that, you know, can reach a, a finished ground, a, you know, a final line for the transition itself? I think in terms of um, application, really um, hardware, um, bringing it to the workforce, there's, we're pretty much there. So we can take any single device and the ones that are more mainstream, obviously, as new ones come in, it'll take time to incorporate. But I think in terms of sheer devices, that's been well integrated. Now in terms of taking all of the, uh, the mobile applications and really infusing uh, the things it takes us to do our job on a day-to-day -day basis into the mobile devices, that's definitely going to take a lot more time because that is where you really hit the security issues where if it's sitting on if it's sitting out in the cloud, which actually as the 4GS has come out, we actually have emails that say don't use the cloud, don't use the cloud type of thing because that gives, that's putting a lot of our information at risk. So I think for us it may be more we have the device and we can use it to, I can go to Starbucks and you know, talk about mobile wallet or I can use the map and I can get around a, a town that I'm not familiar with, but in terms of really incorporating my work outside of email into the phone, I think that's going to take a lot more time. But it sounds like your group may be a little more open to using the cloud yeah, I, at this I, point. I think, I think for us, it's driven by user demand. They want to connect where, when, and how they want to connect, right? And so we're, we're following that. Um, I'll give you an example in the insurance industry. So you're in a fender bender, right? Why, why have uh, an adjuster come out, take a look at your fender, you know, take it back, eventually you get a check. Why not just take a picture of your fender, you send it to your insurance adjuster, he looks at it and he goes, that's $300. and he puts the money in your account, right? So let's get rid of that, that whole middleman. I mean, we've got the technology in our hands today. Um, we, um, in, you know, in the future, this is 10 years down the road, but you envision uh, a future where um, we get ahead of, of uh, insurance claims. So instead of, you know, today what happens is your water heater breaks and leaks all over the floor and somebody's got to come and clean that up and the adjuster comes out and eventually writes you a check and you go and you find a water heater company and then blah, blah, blah. In the future, what we envision is we knock on your door and we say, we're here with your new water heater because your old water heater has informed us via the sensors that it's going to have a catastrophic failure in two days. You don't do anything, right? You don't, and, and it's paid for because you're on that maintenance plan. Right? Why put the onus on the, on the user to, to get involved? People don't want to do that stuff. I'm sure we don't want to do that stuff. So we're trying to figure out that. Right. We, we were talking at lunch about uh, your new iPhone 4S with Siri. And, and we're entering an age where we can not just talk through our technology, but talk to our technology. And it's becoming very intelligent. So you could say, Set a re remind me when I get home to take out the trash. And it'll do that. And, and that's, that's really powerful. Uh, have the compliance issues driven or, or hindered what, what you guys are doing? No, not, not, not so much. I, I would say, though, that we, our cloud is our, our own cloud, and we're not ready to move to, for example, you know, Amazon's cloud yet um, from a privacy standpoint and putting the data out there. And, and that's a whole different set of issues. So you're actually maintaining the, the data it center? our own data center. Data center and everything. Okay. So you're... Uh, that makes sense. You know, still an insurance company, and we're very <laughs> risk-averse. Is what drove that application that you just uh, discussed the fact that you could, in the long run, save money by making sure that, that people were proactive about changing out their 
their water heaters? Or is it more that here's a great way we can implement it and, oh, by the way, because there's less risk in the home because we're not dealing with all these old water heaters, then we'll be saving money in the end. I, I think it's about, so right now, um, we are reactive to events. And I think in the future, you can be proactive to events. Right? There's all kinds of sensors in your car that can help you avoid collisions. Um, now there's going to be sensors in your, in, your, in your home that can help you avoid disasters. So if we can get ahead of that disaster, we'll, we'll save money, and it will be significantly more convenient for the consumer. So Matt, I'm curious, could you share with us um, some ideas that have come out of, of your group? Sure. Um, I mean, I, so the better ideas are becoming products and services. And there, there is a long tail to this ideation process. Um, but I'll give you an example of, of hopefully something that will resonate with this group. Um, what we find when people have uh, uh, problems with their PCs, they don't necessarily, the first thing they, don't, they do is not necessarily call the help desk. Right? What do they do? They look for Bob, who sits two seats away and who knows a lot about technology, and says, hey, Bob, come help me. Right? So we sort of borrowed that idea and said, well, what about uh, a genius bar? Right? Comes from Apple. Apple has all the best ideas, of course. So um, set up a genius bar on campus or a couple of genius bars on campus where people can literally step right up to a, an expert. Or maybe it's an expert in a kiosk. You know, They push a button and they talk to somebody live. Now, in addition to that, um, what I like is we've talked about this concept of having um, one of those big kiosks. You've probably seen them like Best Buy type thing that has all kinds of electronics in it. What if I just need a, a power cord? I forgot my power cord that day, right? I scan my ID, push the button, zzz, power cord comes out. Right? Wouldn't that be convenient rather than you've got to go to your tech person, you've got to wait, you've got to get the technology. And so what my group can do do one of the, uh, a, a, a proof of concept on that. We were just joking about this yesterday. You know, we do things quickly, cheaply. I said, hey, let's get a refrigerator box, paint it silver, put my newest employee in there who makes good sounds, you know, and he puts and he spits out a, a, a power cord for you. And we test and see if people react to that, right? I don't want to go buy the $50,000 kiosk uh, right offhand. So we'll test it and see. I'm, I'm joking. He's not going to sit there. <laughs> That's actually what they did with Redbox. When they started Redbox, though, they had people sitting in the box pushing the, the it's true. Um, so we get creative with, with ways to save money. Those all sound like great ideas. I'm sure there, there must be, what did you say, dozens, hundreds? How many have come out we of this? We have about 3,000 ideas in our, in our current database. That's fantastic. And, and, uh, and then what's the process for, it's great to collect those. Then, then how do they, <clears throat> as you said earlier, they, they, you know, the good ones rise to the top. But, what is, but then there's still a process to get those implemented. Yeah. So what bridges that? Yeah, so the, hands down, the biggest challenge for us is not getting the ideas. Right? Getting the ideas is great for um, getting people involved, making them feel good about where they work. Um, but it's that, taking that next step and going live with them. And so what we do is we always partner, like I said, with someone, marketing, claims, sales, and they make a commitment to us up front. We will do something with those ideas. We have the ability, the resources, the time and money to take those ideas forward. Um, it doesn't always happen, right? And, and, and I'll give you an example. So um, when we did our mobile app competition, uh, one of the best ideas, a very popular idea, was a campus map. Right? Allstate has a humongous campus up in Northbrook. Nobody knows where conference rooms or people are. Give me a map. Tell me you know, how, to, how to get there, how to find that person. Well, the mobile team is never going to make that happen because they're focused on customer-facing apps. They don't have the time or money to do it. And so we have to get creative. Right? That's a very popular idea. How do we make that happen? And so we created a service we call the Innovation Posse. And the Innovation Posse is, hey, join this team. Uh, and, and help us create something that we think is cool and neat and you get to shine and, and you may learn something new. So I want to learn how to code mobile apps or I want to learn how to be a project manager. I join this team. I'm doing this on my own time, right? 
um, and building something. And so we have a team of six people building a campus map right now on their own time. Uh, and, and, and if this works, we will send a lot more projects like that out, out, out to the, the employee base. Sounds fantastic. So, Sarah, I know you guys are still in the midst of this transition. Uh, and, and aside from doing less paperwork, what would you say are some of the advantages you see to making this mobile transition uh, in terms of being a mobile consultant, work-life balance, things like that? I mean, you, you touched on them right there. I mean, work-life balance is huge, obviously. And being able to work where, wherever you can and how you can, and obviously as as consultants, we have a lot of different projects going on, a lot of different clients to attend to, and so to be able to access it at any point in time, wherever you are, and have access to all of our different files. Um, and I actually think our, my work environment is very different from yours because I can't even imagine being on a computer, not having, being on a plane and not having access to every single file that I need to have access to. Um, but I think it's definitely um, allowing us to be more broad in the types of services that we're able to do, but also I think in the types of um, offerings that we're able to bring to market as well, because as, as we're on the day and age of, of data and what do we do with it and how do we capture it and how do we analyze it to move to the next step, we're able to incorporate in-house more data analytics, more um, data crunching devices and applications so that we are able to adapt to the needs of the clients and the data that they have and the issues that they have so that we too are um, also bringing in more, more um, products for the market. Not on the same level as yours though. But. That's, that's great. So, you know, I feel like in the early days of, of mobile email, <clears throat> especially with the BlackBerry, uh, uh, we, as a, as a society started becoming, an expectation evolved, I think, that we're all available 24-7, we're all working 24-7. Uh, you know, in my experience, and, and just what I see out there, that it seems to have shifted towards what, what I would label as a more healthy balance. Would, would you guys agree with that in your own experience? I'm glad you asked this question because I think about it all the time, and you all probably do too. Like, is there a benefit to being accessible all the time, to always being connected? Do you ever have a chance to shut down? Even now, today when you go on an airplane, sometimes you don't have to shut down. You can be connected. And I actually longed for the day I could be in an airplane and nobody could reach me and I can do whatever the heck I wanted. But for me, it's about peace of mind so that I know what's going on and how to manage it. And then I know that if I'm out and I need to go to an appointment, or um, want to go shopping over lunch that nobody, nothing's going on and I can sit there and have peace of mind that I can enjoy that moment until something else comes up. But I think other people may disagree, but I, for me it's been a benefit. Right, so maybe work isn't contained into one contiguous block of time. It's, it's now, you know, you're going to have little bits and pieces of work when you need them and that's going to help, you know, you yeah, get it done. Yeah, it's not so much work-life balance, but work-life integration. Because when you go home, the work doesn't stop. So when you're at work, it's kind of like, well, we're infusing home in it a little bit as well. Any comments on the work-life balance? I, I think it's, it, it's interesting. I used to work in, in consulting too, right? And we were, we'd work long hours and be connected all the time. And, and now I see my employees, it's a very different culture at Allstate, you know, in, in, in large corporations. They'll, they may leave at three or four for whatever reason and may have come in earlier. But an hour later, I'll see them online, and they'll respond to, to texts or emails. So I think people are always connected and, and ready to respond. I, I do feel some pressure to respond quickly. And sometimes, um, you know, it's aggravating when somebody doesn't respond quickly, right? Where are they? What are they doing? Right. right? We're all 
yeah, whether it's work or personal, the, the more we're attached to these devices, you know, I, I certainly find myself checking it a lot for kind of no particular reason. Mm -hmm. So, uh, last question for both of you. What is your favorite app? Sarah? I have kind of a category of apps, and they're those that allow me to be extremely efficient so that I can land in a location, figure, use the map to figure out where I want to go, use Yelp to figure out where are the top restaurants, and then open tables so that I can make a reservation <laughs> immediately. And then in the next morning, the Starbucks app, where I can figure out where the Starbucks is and then pull up my, I just saw the, the commercial for Google Wallet, so, and then bring out the iPhone, the app for the Starbucks. So all of the, that category of applications that are multifunctional, I'm a huge fan of. Good answer, Matt. So besides Angry Birds, um, <laughs> I would say we were just talking about it. Uh, Siri is my new favorite app. And if you haven't seen or heard Siri, uh, she is an uh, assistant on the iPhone 4S where you talk to her. So you know, as a, an employee of an insurance company, I do not text while I drive. Um, and this allows me to get things done. So I can just, you know, without looking, I push a button, and I talk to her, and I tell her, you know, add an appointment, move a calendar, write a text, and she pretty much follows my orders. Uh, <laughs> it's really interesting. It's the, the, the algorithms behind it are just amazing because I, so I've told her I love her many times. And the first time I told her, she said, uh, I'm sure you say that to all your Apple products. <laughs> and this, the next, and she says something different every time you say it. It's just amazing to think about what they programmed in the back end. Why don't you demonstrate that for us? <laughs> Let's see how good she is. Siri, I love you. Oh no! <laughs> I hurt her feelings. <laughs> you can't. You can't, she said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that, that wraps up our, our panel. So at this point, we're going to um, uh, wander around and all, at all these tables, list off who's here, and really encourage you to, to go and talk to everybody and play with the toys and see what, what's happening in the mobile world. We have Best Buy, uh, Verizon, Samsung, Sony, CoStar, I mentioned before, RealView, and Aztec. We have our own table. We're going to be right over here talking about Twitter and LinkedIn. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. One last thing. One last thing before I forget. Thank our panel. Thank you again. Thank you very much. This has been excellent. Uh, enjoy all of the, uh, the toys and tools back here. Uh, we have a toy drive going on outside. Uh, so if you did not bring a toy, you can make a cash donation or write a check. Uh, this goes to the uh, Walter and Connie Payton Foundation. It's a great program that we do every year. So please help us out there too. Thank you. Thanks again.